going on? How y'all doing? Y'all good? So, like, who was here this morning and we just had, like, and God did awesome stuff? Like, ain't God good? You know what I'm saying? Like, we speaking in some dry bones, some things coming alive. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, God is good. It's exciting to set the tone right for 2019. If you're excited for what God already did, but you're really excited for what he's about to do, you make some noise for Jesus right now. Come on. sit down. Come on, I'm telling you. And Pastor Bruce, man, we love you guys. Like, I'm telling you, I was geeking out. Like, see, it's cool when they don't tell you that, like, the founder of pretty much everything was here in the service, but until after you preach, you know what I'm saying? Because at least I wasn't asked, but I'm, now I'm nervous. I'm just staring at him right now. Like, Lord God, I will be judged from heaven's gates. If I, if I don't get this right tonight, you know what I'm saying? But, man, but thank you guys for legacy, for, like, raising kids that raised leaders that changed this whole thing that have impacted my life. I've been blessed by this house, and just as a, such an honor. Thank you for praying over me. I'm telling you, you get around some legacy, you just ask them to just slap one of them bad boys, just slap a hand, just, just get whatever you can, whenever you can, however you can get it. But I'm excited to be in the building. Can we, can we just make some noise for what God is doing in this house, this global move of God? I'm telling you. But let's have some fun first. Where's all my summer revolution in the building? Make some noise one time. Yeah. So we had a little bit of fun. And I realized that there's some old friends here and there's some new friends here. And that's exciting. So, like, if you are just here tonight and you honestly have, like, you've never heard me before, you have, like, no idea what the heck is going on, just put your hand up right now. Just be honest. It's okay. I like that. I like that. It's good. It's good. That means I got some work. I got some earning to do. I've got some proving to do. And Summer Revolution, y'all know what's about to go down right now. Y'all know how I got to earn it. Y'all know that I got to work for it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, my background is I love hip-hop. I love music. And I love creativity, and I love how God will mix and use just about whatever he wants, every foolish thing to confound the wise for his mission, for his glory, and for his story. You know what I'm saying? So we are going to play a little game that we came up with some years ago, and we just have fun with it. You know what I'm saying? Can we have a little fun in church? Is that cool? Is that all right? So here's what I need. I need about 10 volunteers that are digging deep into their pockets right now, and I need you to just find any random thing you can find. And, and if you feel like you have the most random thing possible, you just come on up right now. Let me, let me just see. Just like, like, like dig, come on, ladies. Dig into that magic portal called a purse. Like you have a whole pharmacy, drugstore, things in there. We have, this is going to be fun. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I got one brave volunteer. I need about nine more. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you come on up. Come on, ladies. Let's do this. Let me get some moms and dads in here as well. Come on, dads. You know you got that weird gadget that, you know, you, you bought and you didn't tell your wife before you bought it and you just got it anyway. You know what I'm saying? So come on, fellas. Let, let's get some of the guys in here. That's what I'm talking about. This is a good mix. I got one, two, three, four. I got five. Oh, are we dobbing in people? We're dobbing. We're pointing at people. This is good. I, 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 I got a couple now. This is okay. Okay, I need a couple more. Come on. I'm looking. Dig into your pockets. I'm looking for the straight. Oh, my gosh. Lord Jesus. This is going to be fun. This just got interesting. The stakes have been raised. This is amazing. All right. So how many I got? How many I got? I got one. 
No, it's good. You just come on up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. This is going to be good. So, ladies and gentlemen, here, if you've never seen this before, this is called the pocket game, where we just turn anything you bring up into a random, spontaneous, freestyle rap song. I promise you, I'm going to use every single thing they have brought up on this stage, and I'm going to turn it into something original just for you guys tonight. Are we allowed to have some fun in church? Is this okay? So, you guys can confirm we didn't have a meeting before service, right? This was not staged. This was not planted. This is all like organic, non-fat, raw, gluten-free. This is good, right? We, 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 have, we have to do this, okay? This is awesome. Pastor Bruce, just to make this more interesting, you decide which way do you want me to start. Do you want me to start on this side and go that way? Or do you want me to start on that side and go this way? You get to pick. Start in the middle. Why you got to be so difficult? Okay, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. Now watch this. Okay, here. Okay, you want me to start in the middle? And then do you want me to start from the middle this way or from the middle that way? You get to pick. Done. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to start from the middle. Go this way. Then I'm going to run around that one, and we're going to finish right here. This is improv. I can't make this up. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ready, make some noise right now. Go on and start the track. Go on and start that track. <laughs> Come here. 
here I got a couple questions like Where did you get this right now? It's okay, the devil told me I was pathetic But God came in like a prosthetic And you know that he came in He gave me the ability to walk And now I'm feeling athletic like ooh And now we almost done And I'm on the track and you know it is one Ooh, when I come in and I see with the pointing He got baby oil, he's ready for anointing uh, And you know I do like that That's what we come and I got my back Now see you got the homie with you looking at a round world See you got this power puff girl like here's what I want to say now it's not about the femininity now you're a strong brother now how is this gonna represent your masculinity I just want to know like a whirlwind he probably ain't got no girlfriend but it's okay cuz I'm on the track ladies and gentlemen I give it right back so now that is the game with the rock the world I just do it for the boys and girls ladies and gentlemen girls and boys if you like what you saw then make some noise like that <laughs> Oh my gosh. Hold on, stop the music. Stop. Where'd you get that from? That is, who, that, that is so cool. You are, you are a real MVP. Like, you put your body on the line, bro. Come on, give this guy a round of applause. That, hey, but look, that's dope, though. Like, if you're going to do it, at least do it with a little bit of swag, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, give these guys a round of applause right now. <laughs> and what's, what's, his, what's, what's his name? Eli. Hi, Eli. How are you? You doing good? You want to help me preach tonight? You can preach the whole sermon. It's okay. You are adorable. Oh, my gosh. Man, give Eli a round of applause. I'm excited. He just came with a human on stage, y'all. That is awesome. I don't know if that's illegal or not. We're going to have to talk to the OHNS and our children's department after the service. <laughs> that is so awesome. Y'all excited for church tonight? So, like I said, I like to have fun. But... All of it means nothing if at the end of this night, all we had was a laugh, right? And so for me, I want to talk about the journey real quick of how hip-hop was my whole identity at one point. And I thought it was my job to impress people into God. I thought it was my strength, my ability that at the end of the day was gonna change someone's life. And boy, was I wrong. Because see, tonight, the thing that I know, and that hopefully we all know by the time all is said and done, is that we get to be a part of what God is doing. And because of that, it has nothing to do with our strength, nothing to do with our ability or lack thereof. But when we understand that it is strength versus our strength sometimes, that changes everything. And tonight my message is called strength versus strength. Everybody say strength versus strength. Because the funny thing is this. At one time, I thought that little bit of hip-hop was the only way I would ever do something for God. And that was like 100% of my whole identity was my gifting. And now it's funny when I realized that it was God the whole time that I get to be with him, in him, flow through him. Like, that, like it, it's all him at the end of the day. What once was 100% of my life is now just a tiny little pepperoni on the whole pizza. And I love music. I love hip-hop. Don't get me wrong. I love to have fun. But ladies and gentlemen, when you realize that the greatest thing you can ever do in life is get out of God's way, 
oh, man, that changes everything. And that takes so much pressure off of your shoulders. And it gives you the ability to have fun again as you love God when you realize it's not by our strength, but it's by his. That makes sense tonight? We're going to get to know each other. We're going to be besties by the end of this. But hear me. I want to just pray this over you. I want to pray Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 over you. And it says, and I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. I pray that the veil is taken off tonight, that eyes are open tonight, that you're going to understand that there's glory, that there's riches inside of you, and that it's going to be God that does it, that starts it, that finishes it, that sees it through. And I pray that you're going to leave so encouraged tonight as you finish and leave your year. Does that make sense as we get into 2019? Is that cool? Is that all right? Well, check this out. I want to read to you probably the most powerful yet misquoted and misinterpreted scripture in the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, and it says, For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me, gives me strength. You get that. You know what I'm saying? Check this out. Athletes have this on their shoes. They write it on their face like, yeah, I can do all things. Like as if. If the verse wasn't there, you would catch the ball any better sometimes. I'm just saying, like, sometimes we expect God to bail us out of some stuff. He's like, mm, that ain't me, homie. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. We have taken this verse so out of context as if it's our will, our way, but all we can do is whip this bad boy out like Popeye with a can of spinach, and suddenly God is going to get behind what we want to do even more. I can remember as a kid, I was playing video games with my friend, and he didn't go to church. And I'm like, oh, watch this. I'm going to get him. And we're playing the game, for I can do all things who gives me Christ. And you're like, oh, no. And guess what? I lost. Go home mad at God. God. I thought I could do all things. You know what I'm saying? We have these arguments. And God's like, homeboy, you just suck at Super Mario. Don't blame that on me. You know what I'm saying? But we, we take it out, and I feel like what's happened is a lot of us have gotten mad at God and mad at church because we've misunderstood the beauty in this passage. But see, let me read to you a story that is very near and dear to my heart as God encourages us tonight with the understanding that, yo, it's through him that the strength is going to come. Does that make sense? Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, look at what it says here. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews. And he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating on one of his fellow Hebrews. And after looking in all the directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day, Moses went out to visit his people again, and he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Hey, why are you beating on your friend? Moses said to one who had started the fight. And the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me? As you killed that Egyptian yesterday, 
Then Moses was afraid. Thinking, oh, my gosh, everybody knows what I just done did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened. See, anytime you hear what had happened, that's when you know somebody in trouble. And when Pharaoh heard what had happened, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. And when Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. See, ladies and gentlemen, the first thing we see here is the danger of doing something in your own strength. Let me break this down. See, a lot of times people think it wasn't until the burning bush moment that Moses got his mission. We're going to get to that in a second. But when I look at this passage, we actually realize Moses, his entire life, knew what he was meant to do. The burning bush actually was not a new revelation. It was a painful reminder. Let me break this down for you. Think about it. His mom, the nursemaid, was a Hebrew. And if you know the backstory, you know, the Pharaoh was trying to kill all the, all the Hebrew baby boys at that time. And his mom, like, floated them down a river and thought her baby was going to die. And the next thing you know, there was, you know, there was a bunch of, you know, Egyptian princesses. And they were just getting a bath on. And the baby was like, why? And they were like, hello. He was like, why, why? And everything just happened. And next thing you know, he got adopted. And see, a lot of times we've seen different movies and stuff. And it's kind of like this thing, like it was this big secret that, you know, he was a Hebrew. Because if he, he was found out, then, you know, he was going to die but ladies and gentlemen, he knew. Everybody knew. Even when you read the original story, when he floated down the river, the princess was like, oh, that's one of the Hebrew babies. But it was her authority that protected him and gave him life. So imagine a Hebrew boy growing up in the palace his entire life, knowing that his relatives were outside in forced slavery. Every day growing up in a kingdom of strength, knowing that his descendants were at the bottom of the totem pole, understanding that somehow he was peculiarly picked out for a purpose and wanting to make it happen. See, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of you, since before you were born, have had this thing in your family. Moms and dads knew, like, hey, this, is, this kid is special. And then when you came to be, you've had dreams and goals and desires. There's been things in you since you were a kid. Like some of the call on your life is actually nothing new. You know you're meant for something. And the fact that it's not your reality haunts you. It frustrates you. It robs you of peace because you know there was something inside you since you were a kid, but yet you are not living in it at this moment. And this is what we got to deal with tonight. Because when I look at this passage, I see a young man with a dream who decided to walk out his purpose outside of God's covering. See, he had the call since he was a kid, but he didn't know the person behind the call. He did it in his own strength. He tried to be a savior his own way. As an Egyptian prince, with all his power and with all his influence, he would have thought, surely this is how I'm going to do it. I'm in the royal house. I get treated as family like Pharaoh. My mom is a queen. I've got power. I've got influence. I am the perfect bridge between two worlds. He would have thought his current circumstance, living in royalty, was the prime position from which God was going to walk out his future. 
scripture. See, sometimes you look at life and you look at the circumstance. Surely this is how God's going to do it. Sometimes you look at the clock. You look at time. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we look at our biological clock and say, surely God's going to bring me a man right about now. See, we can look at circumstance and we have predetermined when we think is the optimum time for our purpose to be revealed to the world. And we then make things happen by ourselves with catastrophic consequences. Somebody died. And the very people he tried to save was like, oh, who gave you the back? Can you imagine? Like a Hebrew slave telling you off with attitude. You know what I'm saying? In my mind, I just act like the Hebrews was black people because I don't understand how somebody could be saving you and you still have attitude. But then I know my relatives, and so it just makes a lot of sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, how you? Like, I just imagine the dude was like, oh, uh-uh, Moses. Like, who is you trying to tell me what to do? Like, I just imagine there was a little bit of ghetto in the Hebrews. And anyway, I'm going to just get back to the scripture. But you get what I'm saying, right? So anyways, look at this. He runs for his life and ends up in Midian. Stuck there. A disgraced prince who once roamed the palace and now is stuck taking care of sheep. And I want to speak to people that I feel that are stuck in Midian tonight. See, let me give you some backstory on Midian. Let's go back to Father Abraham, who had many sons, right? We would think that Abraham would have learned his lesson after Ishmael. Remember, he had the promise that he was going to be the father of many nations, and Isaac was the promise, but he didn't wait, so he had an Ishmael. But ladies and gentlemen, do you know even after Isaac came, he did it again? Like, he just couldn't leave them Hagars alone, I'm telling you. Anyway, that's a whole other story for a whole other day. But true story, when you look at scriptures, after Isaac, he had another son, a son with no inheritance. A son outside of the promise. See, some of us were obedient to God and we saw his fruit in a previous season. And we have gone back to our own devices. And that son's name was Midian. And imagine this. Midian was sent away with no inheritance. Isaac was the chosen one. Ishmael had got kicked out. And now Midian had to go. Can you imagine being a young boy kicked out of your own house by your dad, knowing you get no inheritance, but for whatever reason, your older brother gets everything, and you don't really connect all the dots. And this was the father of a whole other nation called the Midianites, which became a thorn in the side and one of the worst nightmares of God's people all, the, all through the generations. And it all started because Father Abraham made a mistake. And check this out. Midian, the name means strife and judgment. The land of Midian existed and was a reality created by past mistakes. Moses steps outside of covering, tries to do his calling in his own strength, and gets stuck in the land of strife, in the land of judgment and in the land of past mistakes. I'm talking to somebody because I feel like some of us feel stuck in the land of Midian tonight. Like we tried in 2018. You maybe took a risk in 2016. 
You may have failed in 2017. And for whatever reason, we have been stuck in the land of Midian in a couple of these places. We did a couple things, and it seems like our whole reality has been created by the failures and things that we once tried in a previous season. But because we did it outside of God's strength, and now it seems like we are doomed to pay penance. But here's the beauty of it. What looks like Midian now. What looks like strife and judgment now, what looks like torture now, that can become training. What looks like punishment now can become preparation. And what looks like delay now is actually development. See, he was in Midian for 40 years. 40 is the sign of judgment. It's the sign of a season. It's the sign of a generation. And he spent a season in Midian. But ladies and gentlemen, aren't you glad Midian has an expiration date? I need somebody to hear that again. See, you think that Midian is just it. Like some of y'all feel like you was born in Midian. Like the Midian you live in now is because of what your daddy did or because of what grandpa did. And it seems like your whole family has just made their postal residence Midian. And it's like they was there, you was there, and your kids going to be there. But ladies and gentlemen, Midian has an expiration date. And God is saying the time is over. The season is done. It's time for us to take stock, take the lessons from the past, and now enjoy. January of 2019, God is saying, Midian is done, but I need my children to get back into my strength. Okay, let me break it down for you. As a person, I'm going to tell you my story real quick. Midian was my life. November 27, 2005, I checked into a rehabilitation program where I spent the next 13 months in. But the reason why I ended up in this drug rehab it's because in my own strength, I decided to be an idiot in university. But the reason why I decided to be an idiot in university was because of the background that I grew up in dysfunctionally. My stepdad, who was an amazing man of God, who truly did step in and pay every bill that was not previously paid, was phenomenal. First man I saw praying on his knees. But my stepdad also struggled to show emotion. And I'm this touchy-feely, words of affirmation, happy-go-lucky kid that needed a hug constantly and also just needed regular encouragement. By the way, am I doing okay? So far, so good? Just encourage me real quick. Just help me out. <sighs> okay, I feel better. Anyways, he struggled to show emotion. But I understand why my stepdad struggled to show emotion because my grandfather... My stepdad's dad was a Baptist military minister. It don't get any more uptight than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's about as uptight as it gets. You're Baptist and military? It's like, say in the name of Jesus, yes, sir, yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know how that even works. But that was grandpa. So in my life, I never even heard grandpa ever tell my dad, I love you. So I know why he struggled to show emotion to me. But then my biological dad also left when I was a baby. But I understand that as well because, see, my grandfather of my biological dad committed suicide when my dad was 16 years old. Do you see what I'm doing? I'm rewinding you through the land of perpetual Midians, things that were realities made by past mistakes that then every generation didn't understand that they kept doing things and rinsing and repeating, but in their own strength. And then here I was in my own Midian in a rehab wondering what the heck am I going to do with my life? Because ladies and gentlemen, when I was 12, I had an encounter with God. 
I knew God was real. I knew he had a call on my life. I knew he had a plan and purpose for my life. I was in my mom's bedroom, and God showed up. Bodies hit the floor. My mom was out in the spirit. My dad had walked out the room. He walks back in, just eats carpet by the presence of God. Like, it was crazy in that room. It was an IMAX 3D movie on steroids, as I saw faces all around the room. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I see sad, hurting faces of people. And somehow at 12, even though I didn't know nothing, I knew that these people needed the love of God. Until the day I die, I will never forget what they said God was there and I'm like God please let them see please let these people see that you love them please let them see that you care and God said no Blake you let them see you let them see I love them so I have this reality in me at 12 but at 20 I'm in rehab Because I had determined that I was going to fulfill everything but on my terms, my way. That I didn't have to have a life of integrity. I could just work charisma and get by. And that had catastrophic results. But I'm so glad that season had an expiration date. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here tonight to encourage you. Because there's some people... You've given up making resolutions. You don't even try to dream for a new season. It's just another year, another day, another bill, another payment, another debt, another this, another that. It's like you believe in God and you are here out of good due diligence. But honestly, all these songs they keep, I'm here to live wild. You're like, no, I'm not. I'm just here to get by. You're like, I'm here to survive. But those songs are going to become real to you tonight in the name of Jesus. See, let me break it down. I love that tonight we get to see the full picture. We see the before, we see the after. We see what happened. When Moses, on his own, tried to do things his way. But I love what happens in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, as the band comes and joins me. I love this moment right here where it says, One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. And Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. I need to park right here for a second. I need you to see this. You know what was amazing about this bush is not that it was on fire. This was not the first bush Moses had seen. If you live in a desert town, stuff lights on fire on a regular basis. You live in a hot, dry place, brush fires are a normal thing. But what do we see here? See, ladies and gentlemen, you want to reach a Moses? 
You want to reach the people in your world, the family members that you know, those people that seem like their life is stuck in Midian. If you really want to be a light to your community, hear me catch this, it's about being engulfed but not burnt out. What it really impressed Moses is that the bush kept burning and was not consumed. We've seen a lot of bushes that burn. We've seen a lot of passion. We've seen a lot of sparks. We've seen a lot of moments. We've seen a lot of stuff catch on fire real quick. But let me see something that keeps burning and not be consumed. Let me see somebody like Pastor Bruce who can do something for generations. And he's still got the same fire in his spirit right now that he had 30, 40, 50 years ago. Ladies and gentlemen, what really is going to impress the world is to see your life engulfed but not consumed. We got too many Christians that are burnt out. We once had a spark, but it was seasonal. But God is looking for people that will be engulfed, but not consumed, not burnt out. See, what do we realize here? Moses paused, and he stared at that bush for a minute. And he observed a fire that sustained. That's why I love open heaven. That's why I love e-groups. Because, guys, this is how you create a fire that can be sustained. This is how you can be engulfed and not burnt out. You can't just do Sunday, once a week Christianity and think that in today's age, you're going to have a fire that's going to be able to sustain you and keep you. And I'm telling you, the world is waiting to see how long this thing takes. Summer Revolution. Your schools and your world is watching to see, was this just something that happened at a Christian camp? Or is it truly a revolution that started in the summer that God is going to take in you? They need to see a fire that keeps burning, that does not burn out. That is... And for those of you today that you feel like Moses... It's very simple. He just did two things. He tended the sheep, and he pursued an encounter with God. And today, God is asking you, will you be a part of his sheep? See, for me, in that rehab, God brought me into family. Five men, one coach, one youth pastor, one dance teacher, one volunteer, and one businessman, five older men that had a common denominator that they all were madly in love with Jesus Christ. These five men looked at a boy and saw the man that I could be and put an arm around my shoulder and told me that I could be something, that there was a promise for my life. They began to remind me of what God had put inside of me. They were five bushes on fire that were being burnt but not consumed, that were engulfed but not burnt out. And I began to see that this God thing was real and I feel it so strong tonight some of you in here have been waiting to see if this God thing is real waiting to see if this church thing is real but yet you won't give family a chance you complain about being isolated yet you ain't never given e-group a shot 
I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, Psalm 68, 6 says, God sets the lonely in families, that he releases the captives with singing and the prisoners without joy, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. It's time for you to come home. It's time for you to be in family. Some of y'all, your mama been praying for you for years, your brothers and sisters forever, and I'm telling you, it's time to get out of the desert. It's time to come out of Midian. It's time to come home. It's time to stop doing things in your own strength. Because when we do it God's way, let me show you what happens just quickly. I can't read it all. But there's four things that happens when you let God strengthen you. Number one, he gives you identity. Moses said, well, who am I that I should go to the Israelites and to the Egyptians? And God says, don't worry. Just tell them when they ask you your name, tell them I am that I am sent you. What did God say? Your name is I sent you. You want to know what to put on your job application? I was sent here by God. You want to know what to put on that college application? I was sent by God. You want to know how to get into the next season? It has nothing to do with your identity, but it has everything to do with who sent you. Someone say, God sent me. God sent me. See, ladies and gentlemen, God says you can because I sent you. Then Moses asked, well, what authority do I really have? How are they actually going to do this? How are they actually going to know that you're God? How are they going to understand that you are the one that backed me? God said, what do you have in your hand? What do you got? And he had a shepherd's staff. See, think about this. Let this blow your mind. A shepherd empowered by God was more qualified to do what a prince couldn't do without God's empowerment. He couldn't do it when he was a son of royalty, but yet when he was an anointed shepherd, that was everything God needed, and God anointed his staff. He could do some cool tricks and stuff, and God said, I have given you authority. I will anoint the work of your hands. It doesn't matter. See, tonight what happened, God anointed uh, some rhymes and a beat and just a little something that I've done for years, but God can put his anointing on it, and it can earn some respect, and it can open, it's just the work of my hands, but it's God's anointing. It's not cool because of me. It's through his strength. It's through him that I live and I move and I have my being. I need you to understand this tonight. Then God says, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been. I can't speak. I stutter. But hear me, guys. If a great speaker came up and gave a great speech, you'd say, yeah, good on you. You're a great speaker. But if someone with a speech impediment goes before a king and speaks with authority and says, let my people go, the world is going to stop and listen because they know. See, ladies and gentlemen, your weaknesses are not what disqualify you from being used by God. Your weaknesses validate the power of God. My qualifications to be on this stage, I am a two-time Bible college dropout. Welcome to church. I should have sold that. I should have said that at the beginning. You know what I'm saying? But no, true story. It took me three times to graduate. I was just that hard-headed. But let me tell you the goodness of God. An idiot like me that came under covering, that came under family, that came under discipleship, that came under sonship, that came under a healthy house, that came under a good mom and dad. Let me tell you, we showed up in Botswana, and the church had 70 people full 
on a weekend. And ladies and gentlemen, less than two years later, we're growing out of our building, wondering what the heck to do next, trying to figure out how the heck to do it because we have 800 people every single weekend. I'm telling you, it doesn't even make sense. God did this. God builds his house, and God can raise and change your life. Stop thinking it's in your own strength. It's never about you, but it's about someone who can surrender to God. And lastly, the last question is always fear of isolation. Moses is like, I'm by myself. And God's like, I know. Go to an e-group, knucklehead. I got you covered. And he sends Aaron and Miriam and Jethro and family surrounded a rejected shepherd. And he became a freedom fighter for an entire nation. Ladies and gentlemen, do you want to do another year in your own strength? Or are we ready to surrender and actually do it God's way? And guys, I'm living proof. <laughs> that if I can serve God, anybody can. <laughs> but I just feel like someone tonight, you just needed to see what it looked like for someone dysfunctional to actually do something cool for God. I just feel that so strongly. That sometimes you walk into this building and everyone looks so saved and holy and polished. And sometimes you can feel so out of place. But that is fear choking you out from realizing, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a room full of perfect people. This is a hospital waiting room. We're just the nursing staff. And we have the privilege to get you prepared until the moment when the when, when, you know, when the orderly comes out and says, the doctor will see you now, the great physician, Jesus Christ. And the worst lie we have ever believed is that it even takes our strength to get right. The thing I hate with the passion is when people come into church and feel like you need to fix yourself before you can fully commit. It is not in your own strength. But would you surrender tonight? and be a part of family. Can you bow your head and close your eyes with me? See, God is here tonight. And he loves you so much. And he wants to be in and through you. And now when I understand what it means to do it in Christ, Philippians 4.13 has a whole new meaning. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that is a word for someone for 2019. This is going to be the year that you begin to do things through Christ. Some of you in here, you've been on the fence for years. And God loves you. But it's time for you to make a definitive decision that you are not going to try to figure this thing out on your own, that you're not going to let fear continue to push people away. You're not going to make a beeline for the parking lot as soon as service is over, but you're going to run over to that black tent or to that red tent and say, I want to get plugged in. I want to be, I want to belong. I want to get involved in the life of church. This is your season to win with family. You can't do it on your own anymore. 
get out of Midian and walk into your promise.